Hello, I'm Phil Rowland, and I'm excited to be back for our fourth edition of The House View uh, with our Head of Research, Samir Chopra. Since our last podcast in early July, uh, we've continued to see challenging market conditions, particularly in the, in the real estate capital markets as uh, cost of debt rises and, and sentiment wanes. Uh, and of course, we have the big national challenge of the day, which is our acute supply side issues in, in housing. But it's not all bad. Uh, overall, leasing activity has been quite buoyant, particularly in the office sector, uh, and there's been a growing focus on alternative asset classes. So what lies ahead? In this episode, we'll discuss the economic outlook, what to expect when it comes to asset pricing and the debt markets, and also the outlook for the leasing sector and some of the opportunities that investors are looking at in the alternative space. But to kick us off, let's talk about the overall economic outlook. So Samir, we seem to have skirted uh, a recession, um, both in Australia and and, uh, most other major markets globally. Good to see inflation moderating at around 4 to 5% range and after being uh, up at 8% uh, in December of 22. So having said that, the slowdown is very evident to everybody. So how would you frame uh, the overall economic out- outlook for the next quarter and into 24? Thanks, Phil. Yeah, look, um, we've managed to get through a large part of the fixed rate mortgage cliff without you know, too significant an impact on the economy. Retail spend is broadly flat to maybe even slightly positive over the last 12 months. But, you know, it's it's up over 30% on 2019 levels. And the employment picture has also been very robust with, you know, over a million jobs added since uh, early 2020. And jobs and population growth has been the real positive surprise. And they've, you know, helped to shield the economy. Um, that being said, like you said, you know, from here on, we expect more pedestrian growth over the next four to six quarters, potentially at half of the usual rate of growth. So not a recession, but a slog. And what we find during these more challenging times is quality matters. During boom times, you know, everything gets a tailwind. But during tougher times, you know, the quality really starts to matter. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I think we're definitely seeing this uh, play out in the leasing market, particularly in office where this bifurcation uh, of prime and and, uh, and secondary markets is, is, is really taking hold. And what's been very interesting has been the resilience uh, of the leasing market, particularly in office in, in the last couple of quarters, which of course heavily contrasts with the, the investment sentiment uh, in the sector. Occupy sentiment earlier in the year was was strong um, as companies came off uh, a two-year period of, of strong financial uh, and employment growth, really wanting to set their, their workplaces uh, post-pandemic. Um, but of course, the, the wider economic environment has shifted. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, normally, you know, with lowering levels of business confidence like we've seen uh, over the last six months, leasing should have slowed down. But that's not actually what we're seeing, uh, especially at the premium end of the market. Um, so, Samir, what are the stats on, on rents and vacancy telling us? Yeah, Phil, look, we've just done a check-in with the, with the teams on the ground and you know, rent growth is moderating now. Uh, it's, it's almost flatlining as the year sort of wears on. Uh, but it's all very location-specific. So if you look at office, there are two very sort of contrasting markets in Perth and Melbourne, with Sydney somewhere in the middle. Um, so Perth has continued to see face rent growth and flat to sort of declining incentives. 
So we're on pace for low to mid-teens of net effective rent growth, uh, which is really good. In Melbourne, net effective rents are likely to be down about 6% for the year. And that's mainly because incentives have started to increase in that market. Look, and Phil, for me, you know, the single biggest driver of rent outlook continues to be supply of new stock uh, in the short term. So, you know, new, new supply continues to impact sort of the incentive outlook. Industrial is a, is a different ballgame. Um, rent growth continues, but with all this new supply coming in, both in 23 and in 24, you know, both existing and spec stock, along with a little bit of sublease, we are just starting to see some signs of incentives rising. Uh, while face rents are now sort of just holding firm, maybe rising a little bit, depending on the sub-market. So, you know, in industrial, I'd say, just keep an eye on the incentives and rents kind of flatlining. But Phil, you know, you mentioned the strength in our leasing business. Is this widespread or just in some pockets? Well, you know, it's not, it's, it's a bit of a generalisation, I suppose. So it, it's not um, totally broad-based and quarry levels are certainly healthy in office, um, but we're seeing some softening uh, in industrial. If we look at Sydney leasing, for example, the size of the individual inquiries has, has increased by about 10%. Uh, in aggregate, uh, square meterage of inquiries in 23 should exceed 2022 by about 10%. So occupiers are, are keen to come to the market with briefs well in advance of those uh, lease expiries so they can really methodically work through their you know, really important shifts in their workplace settings uh, post-pandemic. Interestingly, some sectors that have been a little quieter uh, of late, uh, like technology, for example, um, are, are now active again. You know, to your point around industrial Samir, you know, leasing inquiry volumes are, are really returning towards more uh, normal market conditions. So we're seeing uh, some 30 to 35 percent reduction across the board from the peaks that we saw in, in 2021 and, and 22. The majority of that reduced demand is from the larger end occupiers uh, in that sort of 15,000 square metre plus range. But we're still seeing good activity for those smaller uh, ticket size deals. Yeah, Phil, and one of the other things, of course, you know, in the conversations is outgoings are a real challenge. You know, they've increased by 10 to 20 percent, adding to sort of cost pressure for clients. And that's everything, right? Like electricity, building insurance, land taxes. And just on this outgoing, you know, particularly taxes and stamp duty, um, speaking with our commercial valuation teams, you know, they've been highlighting the risk to capital values just from recent regulatory changes that we've seen. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Samir, I might just um, uh, switch to sort of some global perspectives. I think it's always important to, to consider that. And sort of getting back to the leasing trends, um, perhaps we can sort of touch on what we're seeing globally uh, on vacancy. Um, there's a lot of focus, obviously, on US office vacancy, which ranges anywhere from 20 to, to 35%, um, depending on the market. And, of course, industrial vacancy has is, is, you know, been in, in the low single digit, digits in, in most markets around the world. So. What can we learn uh, from how this picture is evolving? You know, do you think it's getting tougher? Yeah, Phil, it's, office is really interesting. Um, the office vacancy is very nuanced globally. We do have that 20 to 35% in the US. But you know, away from that, it's kind of high single digits in Europe and you know, mid single digits in parts of developed Asia. And you know, what I'd say is in the first half of this year, office vacancy globally appeared to be stabilizing. So put another way, it's a tough story 
is not getting incrementally worse. Vacancy may edge up, but at a much slower rate. Industrial vacancy, on the other hand, has started to pick up more markedly, right? It is uh, still low by historical context, but decision-making, slower decision-making, slower take-up means we are starting to see, you know, industrial vacancy increase. And just on industrial, you know, I think also just the way occupiers are thinking about their inventory situation. Um, and I, I think we're going to start seeing more of this return back to just in time from just in case. And that could, you know, put some upward pressure on, on vacancy. And, you know, each piece of inventory actually costs business a lot. Uh, you know, it costs them in working capital. It costs them in storage. It costs them in obsolescence. So I'd, I'd say take up in industrial will be maybe slower than what we've seen before. Yep, yep. And, and on cap rates, um, the US, uh, UK, even New Zealand market have started to readjust. And our, our kind of line of sight on that is that, you know, US cap rates for office have expanded by around 200 uh, basis points, which, which is about 50 to 75 bips softer than what we, we were expecting things to settle just six months ago. So we're seeing big movements there, Samir, there's no doubt about that. But so just what's your take on that? Yeah, Phil, that's right. You know, if you look at the um, investor, in, investor intention survey, you know, it paints a picture of tier one cities office cap rates ranging from five and a half to eight percent and an industrial you know class a stocks valued at five to six percent range and shopping centers in that kind of six percent to seven percent range so you know to your point phil yeah um the the outlook for cap rates has probably softened by another 50 to 75 basis points as the year has gone on uh, things are getting you know a little bit a little bit softer in terms of pricing. So those are those are big movements in the US. Um, so from what you've observed so far, what what do you what's different in your mind, and and do you think those differences are, are going to hold? Yeah, Phil, I think you know in Australia we will probably see almost price parity with with the US, maybe a little bit firmer than the US, uh, particularly around markets like office, where you know we don't have the similar sort of structural challenges, but when it comes to, say, industrial or shopping centers, I don't see why there should be any big difference between U.S. and, uh, and Australian cap rates. Yeah. So we've, we've kind of softened by 50 to 100 in the, first, in, in the first year. I think in the next six months, I'd expect maybe another 50 to 100 to go from here as well. Okay. okay. Well, one of the ways that uh, cap rates in Australia might adjust more rapidly to the Steady state, I suppose, is, is debt maturity leads to, you know, if debt maturity leads to sort of asset sales and, and some repricing. Yeah. Um, what can we say on the maturity cycle? Yeah, so the kind of overall debt envelope in um, commercial real estate sector in Australia is about Aussie 370 billion. Um, and our assessment, though, is that just 4% of this existing debt comes up for maturity in 24. And then there's another 10% in 2025. The, the big maturity years are 26, 27, 28. So potentially, you know, about 15% of the debt will come up for refinance maybe in the next 12 months. Uh, I'm not expecting that'll be a catalyst event for a you know, massive set of forced sales. Mm-hmm. I don't think debt is, the, debt is the driver. Yeah, yeah. But, but the cost of funding has increased by 25 you know, 3%, and, and, you know, Bank credit committees, you know, 
continuing to be super vigilant on serviceability. So is this going to trigger more or less activity uh, as interest rates settle? Yeah, it's really tough being a buyer uh, right now in the market. Um, you know, it's really constrained the buyers. Um, we've seen probably more interest right now from credit funds, you know, who look at the market right now and, and returns on some of these credit funds can be 10 to 12% in the, in the current settings. And these credit investors are typically looking at turnaround situations. Uh, they're looking at developments uh, and other segments where, you know, covenant structure might need to be a little bit different. But Phil, just on interest rates and sort of the outlook for interest rates, um, I'm not expecting any urgency to cut interest rates till, say, late 24. But just having interest rates stabilized, you know, just lets people get on with the decision making. Absolutely. So, Samir, let's, uh, let's talk alternatives. Um, I suppose a, a brighter spot. And we've both got uh, young children that uh, will be graduating high school shortly and looking at university options. Yeah. I know we've both been looking at what that means from a student accommodation standpoint. Where are they going to house themselves? So as you go on through that process, what have you learned from that about the PBSA market? Yeah, Phil, look, my um, son recently applied for a spot for on-campus living. And there was about 1,600 applicants for 200 spots it is very tight. It was a very stressful situation. There's around 1.6 million university students in Australia. And, and currently, you know, we just have one purpose-built student accommodation bed for every 16 students. One for every 16 students. So it's a deeply underpenetrated market. Yeah. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, and even with some of the supply coming through uh, over the next uh, three years of about, I think it's about 8,000 beds, the market's going to continue to remain very tight. So how are you seeing rents for student accommodation? Yeah, look, there's a lot of um, dispersion in rents. A lot depends on location and, you know, whether it's a new recently built facility with some amazing amenities around safety and socialising and gyms. So I've, I've seen everything from you know, suites that are at 350 a week up towards 800 a week. But, but we have a lot of proprietary data at CBRE on this. And what it's showing is that on average, you know, student accommodation has rent growth of about 5.5% per annum. So it's a, it's a pretty decent rent growth. Oh, that's market. very good. And this is an asset class which has been favoured by global investors. Um, yields have been more resilient to interest rate changes uh, than the more traditional sectors, but, but are about 0.75% higher than, than built or rent. So the other alternative sector where we're spending more time with our clients is around the energy transition. Um, there's certainly a, a growing role for real estate investors to carve out the value of the hard assets like land uh, and infrastructure from, from energy supply. And this could be like what we've experienced a little bit with the telecom towers and, and, uh, and healthcare, for example. It's a high growth business where we're dedicating more time uh, and resources. Samir, getting towards the back end of our, our chat here, I thought we would just go to a few um, thought-provoking ideas and thoughts, a couple of picks. So let's discuss the outlook for, for a few topics where there's been a lot of debate and a bit of controversy in the market. Why don't you hit your first one? All right. Um, I'll start off with residential. Look, we've been, we've been very bullish on residential market. I'd probably say well before others. It's partly because of this robust jobs picture that we just discussed um, and our you know, 
new controversial view here is that the fastest growth will be at the front end of the cycle and late cycle. So I'm expecting, you know, 2023 and 2025 will be sort of double-digit capital value growth, whereas 2024 will be more modest. So next year will be more modest, sort of flat, uh, low single digits. So I'm calling it, you know, plus 10% this year, plus 5 next year, and then plus 10. So you get to about 25% price growth over three years, and and that reflects the cost of the higher cost of building new stock. Yeah. Uh, yep. My second controversial topic, Phil, yeah. for you is uh, office occupancy. I expect office occupancy to be back to 2019 levels in CBD offices around the country, as late as maybe the end of this year, early next year. You know, I was on a plane recently, Phil, and it dawned on me that it feels just like before. And, you know, in speaking to friends, the kids who are going to university are all talking about, you know, better experiences like their parents had. And, you know, retailers are talking about returning back to just-in-time supply chains. So why not the office environment? I expect, you know, office occupancy will will start. We won't even probably talk about office occupancy next year. Well, that's uh, almost like a belief in humanity, I think you got this, Samir. Uh, I'm with you. Well, it was interesting, our, our global office occupier survey had us also found that over one third of firms still expect office utilisation to grow uh, from current levels compared to less than 10% uh, who expected it to fall from current levels. So there's, there is upside and, and you know, portfolio optimisation um, uh, could also lift that utilisation. But we also, you know, it's also need to be cognizant of the opportunities that, that are offered from, you know, from hybrid work as well. But, um, but I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that normalisation is, uh, is, a, is a good tra- trajectory. Okay, what's the next one? Third one um, is construction costs. So my view, you know, construction cost, we know construction cost growth sort of peaked in 2022, June 22, when it was increasing at about 17%. And currently it's increasing, but at about 7% year on year. So it's kind of halved in terms of its growth rate. And my view is that, you know, we'll see flat growth by year end. Uh, And the key here will be just what goes on with construction labor wage pressure, you know, whether whether it starts to ease as some of these residential projects get, yeah. get completed. Yeah, yeah. And just given the size of the infrastructure pipeline and the tightness in the labour market that you referred to there, you know, I, I still expect we'll get to mid to high single digits, you know, construction cost growth, which I'm afraid, you know, continues to add the challenge to the, you know, the development pipeline, particularly in, in housing, as you reference. Okay, so last one, Samir. Last one is um, refurbishment CapEx. So, you know, a number of our clients have articulated some very large pipelines of new projects, uh, refurbishments, including on sort of net zero in- initiatives. And, you know, these commitments were all made when debt was cheaper, you know, construction was cheaper, valuations were higher. Uh, I expect that, you know, we will probably see a major downshifting, unfortunately. Not because clients don't want to do this. But more because, you know, the economic climate does not let them do it. You know, I think it's fair to say, Samir, there's some rain clouds building, but um, hopefully you're not going to say we're pulling the covers out. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Good. Okay. well, I hope everyone uh, enjoyed our latest edition of Talking Property, The House View. We'll be back with our next House View early next year. If you like what you're hearing, uh, make sure you, you subscribe. Until next time.